Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. At the eighth mile, she's leading Bowbunder at the finish line stripe. It's Cameron Caruso for the first time, 6.592. On this episode, it's crew chief Rob Wendland and top fuel ace Tony Schumacher talking about what's coming for 24. And there goes Gage Herrera. Vinny, Vini, Vici. He came, he saw, he conquered. From prepping a top fuel team to sponsorship, it's all on this episode of The Insider. Chad Green's out first by a bunch. They get to the finish line, strike, and it's Chad Green. 391-6 on a whole shot, a 33 line. This is the NHRA Insider Podcast. End of the night, they go, and the wind light comes off for Doug Collada. 367 334 miles an hour. Hey, everybody. It's Brian Loans here with the NHRA Insider Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in to this off-season episode as we continue to work our way toward the 2024 NHRA Mission Foods Drag Racing Series debut, which, of course, is coming in March at Gainesville. We have plenty of time to go before that. Plenty of conversations to be had and plenty of news to break and things to talk about here on the Insider. Now, it has been a relatively quiet week in the world of NHRA Mission Foods drag racing. Um, Not a totally, you know, snoozer of a week, but it's been pretty quiet. Uh, Hopefully you're following along uh, places like NHRA.com and across NHRA's social media channels. This is really a time of the year where uh, Phil Burgess, uh, Kevin McKenna, uh, Kelly Wade, who's a great contributor to NHRA.com and National Dragster and others, uh, including uh, Schmuckville Me, uh, are all kind of throwing content there and and making things. Our social media team is really killing it. Uh, Hopefully you've been able to see the championship kind of recap season video that Jacob um, <clears throat> Haberstrom made, who was part of our social media team uh, regarding Doug Coletta, uh, really, I think, a fantastic piece. He did a just a brilliant job with the visuals on that, and it was a pleasure to work with him uh, in helping to put that together. Um, you know, you can check NHRA.com for all kinds of great insights. You know, the off-season kind of work that gets done there is pretty cool. It's analytical. Um, it looks forward and it looks backward. We kind of take a look at what happened in 23, what we should be looking for in 24, um, you'll see serial style stories kind of one after the next things to look for in 2024 and, and all that good kind of stuff in terms of news and or rumors uh, that I've traditionally begun uh, starting the program with in this offseason time frame. Not a whole bunch. Um, there is one that I think is significant. I probably should have brought it up onto the table last week, but for whatever reason, I failed to do that. Um the John Forrest Racing Camp, you know, there is some some talk there that it may be a three-car operation in 2024. I think we're going to learn more about that uh, as of this week. I'm making this show now um, right about the January 10th time frame, and I believe in, in this coming week there may be some announcements made, but uh, the rumor is that Austin Proc, uh, that car may not come out of the shop to start the season. Now, that's not to say it will be parked, and we, of course, have seen this in the past, Um <clears throat> meaning it won't be permanently parked. But again, that is a rumor. Nothing has been put out by John Force Racing as of yet, but I do believe there has been some personnel that have uh, found new homes, so to speak, and I think we're going to have some information coming from JFR in the coming week. That's really the only big kind of bubbling internal story in the sport right now that um, that I've heard. Uh, certainly doesn't mean it's the only thing going on, but what we're going to do on today's show, we're going to talk to two people that are in two really different situations here coming into 2024. Uh, the first guest will be Rob Wendland, who is the crew chief for Sean Reed Racing, and they are coming out full-time for the 2024 season, and they are um, like a good chef. He is starting his his recipe from scratch. Um, 
you know, Sean committed, he hired a bunch of people. We're going to talk to Rob about, you know, the timeline of putting this team together, the timeline of getting things ready, what the stumbling blocks are, what he looks for when he hires a crew, which of course he's done. And those guys are working with their nose to the grindstone every day to prepare themselves. Um, I'm really excited to talk to Rob because I think this is going to be very insightful. And we're going to learn what I'm one of the things I'm really interested in learning is the main difference between off-season maintenance, so to speak, off-season preparation for an existing team versus what they're doing, which is a ground-up, you know, startup basically from moving into a new shop, uh, getting the preparations done, and that style of thing. When I talked to Rob at the PRI show, they were just getting ready to move into their new shop space. So uh, I want to talk about all that kind of understand the hurdles, kind of understand the things that he needs to get done and, and what his uh, weight posts are, if you will, on the way to preparation for Gainesville. Uh, secondly, it's going to be Tony Schumacher. And um, you, what we know and what we're going to learn from Tony this week, I think, is some insight that we've all been wondering about regarding, you know, Skag Power Equipment, uh, no longer involved with, with JCM Racing. I want to talk to him about the season. I want to talk to him about who's involved in the team, any changes. Um Kind of an interesting announcement that is not exactly headline news, but is kind of a big deal. Is JCM Racing purchased the hospitality um, assets of Don Schumacher Racing, and they're going to be operating that hospitality now and and taking that uh, role over. And so, to me, that is a great statement of a team that isn't going anywhere. Uh, you don't make that purchase, you don't make that commitment without understanding that you are in this for the long haul. And so, I want to talk to Tony about everything they're working on. Uh, what the gag departure means for him, kind of his thoughts on that whole situation and, and what they're going to do going ahead. So all those things being said, um, I think we're going to get ready for our first guest. Rob Wendland will be joining us when we come back here in the NHRA Insider Podcast. We're going to talk about getting a top fuel team up and running in the middle of what has become a cold Indiana winter. Don't go anywhere. All right, we are back with our first guest in this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. He is the crew chief for Sean Reed Racing and a guy who is uh, elbows and neck deep in to get a top fuel car prepared for the 2024 season, Mr. Rob Wendland. How you doing, man? Great, great. Hey, thanks for having me. I sure appreciate it. You know, you guys are, to me, one of the big stories coming into this 2024 season. I think when we look at how kind of busy the top fuel season is and how now full the top fuel category is, it's pretty awesome to be adding another car. Yeah, I tell you what, you're, uh, you know, we talked a little bit earlier, but we are, I'm talking, barely got our eyes above the water right now <laughs> in the amount of work that is going on, you know, and there's, you know, uh, Tuna, Ed Tyler, you know, came over from Cruises as, uh, you know, our car chief, sure. and this is his, this is his seventh team build. Wow. And that means, you know, and, uh, you know, that says a lot in how long you've been in the you know, these ranks out here and everything, you know, because there's not too many times that when you produce a brand new team, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, a team that got transferred to someone else or sure. something like that, you know, and it kind of reminds me of the Leah Pruitt story that they had. It's We're in the same situation where, you know, there wasn't even a tool here, you know, to put something <laughs> together with. So, well, look, and from your perspective, that's probably the most valuable guy you can have, right? Because it's one thing to kind of, know what needs to be done. But if this guy's been through it that many times, he understands, I think, and maybe can avoid some of the pitfalls, right? Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a blessing to have him here helping us, you know, get this done. But, you know, even more importantly is, is Ryan Elliott. You know, uh, the history that me and Ryan have, you know, I hired Ryan on uh, 
to be a body guy in tires <laughs> when we did Johnny Gray's car, you know, and he was way more talented than that. But at the time I told him, I'm like, Ryan, I was like, this is the only job I have. And he goes, that's okay. I'll, I'll take, take it. it. <laughs> I'll just work my way up, you know? And he ended up being my right hand man there with Rip, you know, uh, through all the Johnny Gray days. So it was, uh, it's been a, a blessing to have him here. If he, if he wasn't here, this, this deal would not launch at Gainesville. There's no way. And so that's one of the things I want to get into a little bit is from the, you know, from the fan at home's perspective, you know, we understand, we see the videos that John Curtin makes of a guy, he goes into the shop and we see the guys, you know, micing the clutch discs and checking the rock well. And, and that's kind of the normal stuff to, to get your inventory for the off season. But what are the major differences other than the obvious in getting one of these things up and running versus simply doing the winter service? Well, in every department, first the thing is, is, you know, you've got to fill this thing full of Maco tools, right? Yep. And every department has specialized tools in it. And a lot of the time, these are hand-me-down tools that somebody has made, you know, throughout their career <laughs> okay. or something. And there's not a lot of people manufacturing these things. So that's just one aspect of this crazy thing. Even assembling a cylinder head, I think there's, you know, there's 90 parts basically, you know, uh, you know, to a cylinder head, you know, nozzles and then the exhaust studs and then, you know, shims for the springs, the springs, the retainers, the valves. And then it, it's just crazy. And think about it. That is just, that's just one part of the car. And you start, yeah, you start extrapolating that throughout the entire thing, and it's just an, it's just wild. And you know, I guess the base, the base part of this whole thing is assembling the people to do it. You mentioned Ryan Elliott. You mentioned Tuna. Um, and I think one of the things that is a credit to your career is we look at the teams you've worked on and the people you've worked with. Your story with Ryan Elliott is not unfamiliar to you. I mean, we look at you know Kay Lynn, who just stepped away from uh, from Clay Milliken's team to go into the IndyCar world. Um, you know, you famously have worked with her when she came on to work with uh, Terry McMillan's team, and and her career really blossomed. So, how many experienced people do you have? How many brand new people do you have? What's the what's the ratio there? Uh, we've got, you know, I've got one kid that's going to do the bottom end and the racks that he started with me in the Terry McMillan days. Okay. I think he was, he was 12 years old and, uh, <laughs> and he, he just turned, uh, he just turned 19 and this is his first, uh, real full-time job. And, um, so he's got experience, but yet this is his first time being out with a full-time team, you know? Yeah. And, uh, that's Josh Scott. Can you imagine that? I mean, this kid has known what he's wanted to do, you know, since that age, since he got the bug, you know? And, uh, so it's pretty cool to have him here and, and, and definitely taking him up through the ranks the same as I did with Caitlin, you know? And, uh, but, uh, we also have, uh, a well-experienced clutch guy, Davey, and, um, he brought his assistant over, uh, from from Cruz's car, nice uh, Seth, and uh, he's going to do our our cylinder heads, and then we we hired another guy out of UNOH uh, to do blowers, and then we have uh, Chris uh, who came from Forces, uh, and he's going to be the clutch assistant. So pretty much all but two guys really you know have you know quite a bit of experience out here. So. I'm very blessed with that situation because, you know, good crew members and things like that are, it's really tough to find, you know, somebody who's wanting to give up, yeah. you know, uh, you know, two thirds of their life, for right. you, you know, during the year. And, uh, so we're actually looking pretty good in that aspect. So in, in this particular scenario, 
uh, and you're a hands-on guy. We know you're a hands-on guy. You can build, literally, you can build one of these cars yourself from end to end. We've seen you do it on the internet. But I would assume that in this particular time frame, the most value you can bring to the team is on the administrative front, is is working on the, is working on, not, I'm not going to say pushing paper, but doing the stuff that isn't necessarily getting your hands greasy, right? Well, that's that's not me. I I do uh, I do quite a bit of that, but I'm I'm mostly a uh, fireman. So when the fires so when the fires develop, I, I'm the guy that puts them out because it's really hard to buy uh, a part out here that that basically either a is a perfect fit for your combination or something like that, or something has to be fabricated to make something else work, um, or the thought press behind of how we're going to attack this situation. That's kind of where I'm at. Ryan has taken over the administrative part. And I can't even tell you, like I told him about, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, I don't think I could have done this without you being here because he is way more organized with, <laughs> with, with Excel and the POs and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at his screen right now. It's like, it, it's, it's crazy. I think he has like 15 windows open for one job or something, you know? Yeah, the smoke coming out of the back of the computer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. It, it's amazing. And I'm looking over here in his work area. Everything's all square, you know? And then I look at my work area, and it looks like a bomb went off, right. you know? So. <laughs> well, what if, I think the old saying is uh, an organized desk is the sign of a deranged mind, so be careful. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, that, maybe that's his problem. That might be it, you know? You know, we can talk about the the preparation work, which obviously you've made us understand is is well underway. And now that you know that ultimately translates into getting the car on the racetrack. And and you know, I think the easy answer is, well, we plan on going out there and running for a championship, which of course you do. But what are the realistic expectations for this car? Like when it rolls through the gate for the first test session, whether it's before Gainesville, wherever, what are those realistic expectations to come out of the gate with? You know. Um I'm telling you, like, you know, I have the utmost confidence, first of all, in Sean Reed driving this thing. Yeah. Um, you know, he's an excellent driver. Um, he keeps reminding me about when I was with Terry and he was with Vandergriff and we were in Seattle. Oh, yeah. They, out, <laughs> they outran us and blah, blah, blah. That's all I hear from him, you know. Um, and he did. He did a great job driving it. He did good on the light, you know. And so um, now the quality of the car when we show up, as a crew chief, I don't, I don't think we're going to miss a beat yeah. at all. I really don't. And one of the biggest factors in this is, is Brad Mason and Brian Karate, Mark Oswald, Chris Newton, the guys over there at the Matco team, because we are, you know, going to, you know, have a, uh, information sharing system. Yeah, that's great. You know? Um, and without them, I'm telling you, uh, I don't, I don't know if we could even pull this off this fast because we have worn the door out between our two shops, um, going over and asking questions from these guys, you know, cause we're trying to really emulate, you know, what they're doing, the motor combination, that kind of thing. It makes great power. It's really good on parts and they, they put a, a great combination together and, and, uh, we're lucky that we have this relationship that me and Brian and Mark have had since, you know, 06 or whatever it's yeah. been back in the old forces days. Right. And, um, because, uh, I think they see the value as well 
is this is this car making another run basically for them sure you know and, so, and to me it's an interesting evolution of the of the whole model like we've seen so many different ways that teams have worked over the years in nhra whether it was old days everybody was an independent everybody did their thing then we had the the, the real kind of super team era which has clearly kind of come to an end and now we have individual owners that have these alliances or have these alignments and it really does make a lot of sense and, and if you're going to try to come into a category uh like top fuel like you guys are doing as good as everybody involved in that car is if you're coming in like with a clean sheet of paper that is going to be a very, very tough hill to climb. I mean, there are so many freaking good cars, and we're going to have close to 16 full-timers out there. You guys want to contend. You want to be, again, you want to you know, be a good part of your alliance that you have with Antron. And so this kind of independent owner with an information-sharing deal or a, or a group parts buying thing seems to be the way that this whole thing's going, and I don't hate it. I kind of like it. Yeah, I mean, definitely – uh, I, I hope, you know, I know that we're more of a hindrance to them right now than we are, <laughs> you know, helping, but there, there are things that, you know, I've done in my past, you know, um, in under certain conditions at the track and things like that, that, you know, the Brian and Mark have looked at it in the past, maybe said, you know, there might be some merit to that or whatever. Yeah. I just hope that, you know, that I'm going to be able to do that with them as well, you know, um, without confusing them too much. You know what I mean? Cause yeah, sometimes, right. When you're going down a tuning path, you don't need somebody knocking on the side door. Hey, you know, what's going on, right? Because, you you know, you need to make the mistakes along the way to get your thought pattern correct. And you know what you did that wasn't wrong or what was wrong, you know, that kind of thing. And so I, I hopefully that, you know, this this team, you know, with Ryan and stuff that we're going to be able to, to – uh, to give them as much as they're they're giving us you know we definitely want that in return for sure but you know on that whole team aspect like you're talking about you know like you know torrance has got they've got kind of three cars you know yeah you know when trips out there that's a pretty good twin to what they have and that car runs really good out of the box you know um and then of course billy's car so you know that's an independent team that basically you know pulls information off of three cars you know yeah, and it seems so, to have worked out pretty good for him. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, yeah, um, it, it's tough being that independent guy trying to do it on your own. And I and I'm a I'm a I'm the guy, right? Yeah. Carries, you know, for yep. almost for seven years. Yep. That's what we did, and it, it's a slow process. But we got to the point where people didn't want to line up against us, you know. Right. No, you guys, a hundred percent. I mean, the the success that we saw, like we the last several seasons, you guys are together. That car was as threatening as as anybody's equipment out there. Um, when you first got contacted by Sean, you know, how much skepticism did you greet this with? Because I think you know anybody that's been around the sport at the level you have for as long as you have have seen and gotten a lot of these phone calls. Right, I'm starting a top fuel team. I want you to be my guy. How much skepticism did you greet that first call with? And then, you know, how long into the, the process did it turn into a situation where you're like, you know what, this is solid. I'm doing this. We're good. We're a go. Well, you know, I was kind of semi-retired <laughs> the way I look at it because, <laughs> you know, I, I have a belt business, right? The belt business, we produce yeah. all the belts for NASCAR, like every team out there, Ford, Chevys, Toyotas, they all run my timing belt and my drive belt, right? And Man, that's wild. I, did, I did not know that. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, it, that's what they run, you know, and so with that and the combination of the blower belt business and everything, and now I have all the top fuel bikes, a lot of those, you know, you know, uh, uh, the drive belts on them, the blower belts on them, and everything else, so that part of the business has been awesome, and so, 
I was able to go out with some of these part-time teams and stuff, and I was I was really pretty happy. And then when Sean approached me, he's like, yeah, man, you know, I want to do a top fuel team, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I didn't know how this was going to work. He goes, this is what I want to spend my retirement on. He goes, Rob, look at us. We're, you know, 57 years old or whatever. And he goes, we don't know when our last day is. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. And he's like, well, I want to drive a top fuel car for the next three years. He goes, that's, that's what I want to do. And he goes, that's how I'm going to spend my money. And at first I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Goes, well, you know, what locks would you use? And he was kind of using me for information. And I'm like, you know, I would emulate someone else. Yeah. And that's when we started talking about Antron. I go, well, they run this and that and blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, and he started ordering stuff like, you know, 10 new blocks <laughs> and 20 cylinder heads and 15 cranks and all this other stuff. I guess this guy must be pretty serious. And then he kind of wanted a commitment from me. And so we talked about what it would do and that kind of thing. And I, I kind of told him I didn't want to do it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and listen, I think so many of these, so many of these stories start this way, which I think is a good thing. I think that, you know, that the healthy skepticism, uh, you know, to some degree, I, I think people that are listening to this that are not in the motorsports industry or, or that don't quite get the inside baseball, some of this stuff. I mean, we've all been there where somebody has presented you something where it's like, and you dive into it and you realize you turn around and you go, Oh, like this is not what I thought. And, and it happens to all of us to some degree in our career somewhere. So I think it's great. I do think it's great where, where it's like two guys that are getting together, but there is a legitimate commitment between the two. Of you. I think that's cool. The thing is, is I've, you know, from the Johnny Gray days, of course we had a lot of great parts, you know, and we had, there's other teams that were here in the building. You know, we're over here at Schumacher shop right now, renting some space right now before we move into our other building. But, you know, it's, it's funny because I, I brought this card to Ryan and this card has on it, you know, um, a lot of the phone numbers, but all the phone numbers of all the people at one point, I think it's maybe 2011 or something like that here at the DSR facility. And, um, of all the teams that are on there, I'm talking like the Aaron's car, right? Okay. You know, the yeah. Napa car, yeah. the Army car, you know, the you know, on and on, right? Of all the the names and stuff on there, the one team that has the most amount of people that are still in this building was our team. You know, so we had wow. Matt Art Matt Archer works here at DSR. Kirk Kaninga, he he uh, works here at DSR. We have Ed that was with me. We have Ryan that was with me and myself. So it's like five people that are still here in the same building of that one team. But the rest of them, Brian's like, some of them aren't here anymore. Yeah. And, and the main one that's on there is Don Schumacher. Yeah. You know, and he's the one that gave me, you know, my start as as a as a real fuel crew chief. And you know, and I'm telling you, it's. It's, it's hard to be in this building a little bit, you know, and but just know that his legacy developed so many tuners and so many people out here. Oh, it's incredible. Uh, that are in this sport. It's just, it, it's just really overwhelming. I mean, it means a lot to me. Um, you know, it, we, we definitely want to do something with DSM, you know, this year. Maybe we can do a wrap or something for, for Don. You know, we're really trying to, to work that out. And, uh, but anyway. Um, yeah, there were seven teams in this building, you know, Man. and, uh, it was just crazy. Uh, and now it's, you know, full of a lot of machines, right. not necessarily yeah. teams, you know, so. <laughs> 
if you can put a, a put a, a pinpoint or a finger on something, the the 2011 Rob Wendland that that had that card written out versus the 2024 Rob Wendland that's going to be leading this team. What are some of the lessons over the last decade plus that you have taken, either good or bad, as a crew chief that you will apply? Um, to what you do in 2024. I mean, what are the big things that you look back on in those early days and think, oh, my God, I can't believe I did that, or I, I learned a lot from that? You know what? I think it's uh, my personality is the biggest thing. You know, I had a hard time. Uh, I think that everyone should wake up every morning and stay up late and have the same <laughs> amount of passion, yeah. of passion as I do, you know. And so – not going to find that you know and you'll see it in a lot of them and and that makes a really great team if someone has that amount of passion you know to win as you do uh, and and be better than the next guy in the other lane right um as you do that's that's really what makes a good team so but you can't force that onto someone and so i have put people around me that help you know understand that passion and to take care of some of the other items the daily routines and things like that, that I don't have to, because you should show up to work on time. Right. Yes. <laughs> you yes. Know what I mean? Yes. And, and as you know, I kind of keep talking like my grandpa, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, that's the thing about our grandparents. They're smart. <laughs> that's yeah, the exactly. Right. I don't know about that part, but it's like, you know what I mean? It's like the passion, the punctuation of time and, you know, say what you're, you know, do what you say you're going to do and, and all those kinds of things, you know, um, I try and put that on all the new kids, you know, real fast. Yeah. Uh, we had a deal here where, you know, we're trying to mount some head boxes on, on top of some, you know, toolboxes, right. You know, cause of course we didn't have anything and, you know, make, I, you know, make sure these holes are in the exact same spots. So if you turn this thing around, it's still going to fit. Right. So it's square and everything. But we get over there and that's not the case, you know? And the guy goes, Oh, I didn't know you wanted it exact. Oh like yeah. I'm like, and I go, uh, yeah, everything I want you to do, period, on this, I want it exact. You know, it's like, yeah. he looked at me like, oh, crap. You know, I mean, he's like, hope I didn't make him mad. But, you know, I have that, you know, that passion should be carried through everything that you're doing on the race car. So it's A, safe, fast, and then also that the fact that, it, you know, it's competitive because it's put together correctly. Yeah, absolutely. The tolerances on the toolbox should uh, should match the tolerances going on the uh, the main bearings or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> pretty pretty darn close, right? And so, so you know, to answer your question is, I think as myself, I think it's my personality. If I had to try and loosen up, you know, yeah, and and um, but you never you never can take that passion away. No, uh, I want these. I know how much these guys give up their lives, their personal lives, to be out here to do this. So you have to be really understanding of family time. So um, I will want them, if there's something going on in their families and they need to be somewhere, I want them to know 100% I've got their back. That's, that's what we do. And because we are a smaller, small family together, yeah. they're living with each other more than they are their wives and stuff like that. So um, they, you, know, you, you have to give back to your employees, but you definitely want them given as much as they can for you. Yeah, it makes total sense. That makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. I, I I got a friend named Tom Nelson. He's a he's an engine builder out in California, and when he first got going in the business, he bought a small machine shop to get himself started, and 
you know, he had a guy that had worked there for like 30 something years and he would get pissed off at this guy because it didn't matter. It didn't matter what was going on at 915. This guy was taking his coffee break. And at 1130, this guy was taking his lunch break. And it got to the point where he was going to like fire this guy because to your point, he wasn't like working his way through lunch and he wasn't staying all hours of the night. And somebody finally grabbed him and said, hey, this guy's produced flawless work for like 30 years. Let him drink a cup of coffee at 9.15 in the morning. And it was kind of a, it was kind of a lesson for him, the, the same one you're talking about, where it's like, okay, I have to figure out how to balance this a little bit, but I also have to recognize talent as it is. Yep, that's correct. And that's, that's tough when, you, when you're talking to Aaron. You know, this is – you. Uh, I look at it like – you know, watching like some of the college games and, and then sure. basketball games and you see the coach out there and he's got veins poking out of his head <laughs> and he's poking at the guy. And, you know, I even watched the Chiefs game when, uh, who was it, Kelsey uh, threw his helmet down yeah. or whatever. Yep. And he's like, don't give him, you know, don't give him back his helmet. And he kind of nudged him with his shoulder, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, crap, I guess you can do that. <laughs> but you, you can't do that and have employees – but you can do right. it if it's a if it's a sport. So I have to separate that. <laughs> For you, um, you know, last question before I let you get back to it. But you know, what is the thing you're looking most forward to in, in 2024 with this new venture? Oh man, you know, uh, just man. I, I well, I've I've never had a new block since 2014. All through that's crazy. You know, deal, right? I, I always got stuff from, you know, yeah. used stuff from Torrance's or Scrappers or somebody else that was selling something. So this is the first first year since my Johnny Gray days that I've had new parts. And I'm talking, Brian, this whole thing is new. <laughs> it's new, everything. We got a we got a Lucas car, you know, and, you know, so we're trying some different things there with the car. And uh, I, I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm a little bit overwhelmed sure. right now at the moment. But uh, I'm very confident in this team and the parts we have and then this conglomeration that we have with, you know, the MACO team. Uh, I just see great things happening this year, and uh, we hope to go out and hurt a bunch of feelings as long as it's not ours. That sounds like a good plan to me, Rob. Thanks so much for taking the time, and uh, congratulations on the new venture. I wish you the best of luck, and uh, good luck making your timeline to Gainesville. Well, I sure appreciate it. We'll be right back with Tony Schumacher right after this. All right, we are back with our second guest on this episode of the NHRA Insider. He is the eight-time Top Fuel World Champion. He is Tony Schumacher. What's going on, man? Ah, just making myself a cup of coffee and enjoying the uh, winter break. Getting ready for a monster year coming up. It is going to be a monster year, and and of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't start by um, you know sharing our, our collective condolences from everybody. The passing of your dad, Don Schumacher, was uh, I know kind of a tough stretch last year or so for you guys and your family. So I um, I, I certainly um, sympathize with with what you guys have been going through, and certainly uh, a legacy that is unparalleled in this sport. Yeah, we appreciate that, and I think you know. Um, just the thanks go out to all the fans that were patient because, and, and the team guys, you know, like yeah. everyone at NHRA was asking and, you know, he wanted it real hush hush. And we did our best to kind of just fulfill his wishes. And, uh, it was, you know, it's an awful thing. He's, he's my dad, man. You know, just, we did this whole drag racing thing together and we spent a lot of time together. And, uh, for my sisters, you know, it's just hard on everybody, but, you know, we, we knew it was coming, and we couldn't say much, and that's what made it really, really hard because, gosh, you know, you want to share in that stuff because you need the support 
and I think uh, you know, we we did the best we could to keep it on the down low and and just support what he wanted. Yeah, and, and look, it's a it's a tough thing. Um, you know, it's a public life. <clears throat> it's a public life he lived. It's a public life that that you guys have lived. And so when it's when it's time to circle the wagons, I think it's it's only appropriate. And I'm glad that it, at least outwardly, it seemed that a lot of people respected that privacy. Yeah, they did, and they they asked you know all the time like anyone would. Just yeah. how's he doing? How's he doing? Yeah, and you know to be honest, we didn't have all those answers because. Uh, they were kept from us because we're in the public eye, yeah. you know, and, yep. and, it, and I understand why they did it. You know, I am, I am, is, if you ask my wife, I'm the worst secret keeper in the world, <laughs> right. you know, right. <laughs> like, like, like I don't, I don't even get told stuff till days after, you know, and it's just, <laughs> but you know, it, it is what it is. It's like, this is a tough one. I think we'll have a, um, you know, the whole year was tough, yeah. you know, we had a, we, we lost Kathy, you know, Joe and Kathy, Kathy yeah. passed. Yeah. Uh, we, we had a somewhat of a struggling year with a new team, um, you know, and, and my dad. I mean, I mean, all the things in the world you get tossed at you. But but that being said, you got to do this in, in perspective. Sure. I wake, up, I wake up in the morning and I get to drive a race car, and I got to do it for 30 years with my dad. Yeah. No, that's you know, a gift, man. And, that's a gift, absolutely. Exactly, and you've heard me do for geez for nineteen years speeches for the army about recognizing the gift, and it's I think that's the most important thing is to be uh, to be aware that you know I mean heck my first race we lost Blaine Johnson yeah so I've been aware since day one and I can't kid myself that this is the safest job in the world and the easiest thing to do but it's a gift if it's what you love if it's what I dreamt of growing up was to drive a race car. I got to do that. I got to do it with my dad, even though me and him tried to choke each other out. Every day. And, 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 and hey, listen, that's every, every that's every father son relationship. I have the I've had the same I've had the same moments with my own dad when I was just a little bracket racer, <laughs> little bracket racer at Epping. There were times I pulled back in the pit area and I thought I am going to choke this guy. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, go ask Mike and Jim Dunn how that goes. You know, any anybody. You yeah. know, go ask the forces. You know, I mean, yeah. it's it's you know we have turkey day together and we're going to sit around and talk about you know what we're going to talk about we're not going to talk about thanksgiving we're going to talk about the last race and if i got beat on a whole shot you know right. you know it's just the way yeah. it goes so you know i don't know it was it's just been one of those things uh i'm i'm enjoying the the break and uh you know i look forward to getting started and i mean i miss my guys my guys yeah we just got <laughs> that's a new group of people we put together last year we didn't have uh we didn't have the time to to build what we know is coming, but you know, all the guys stayed and we're we're just looking forward to getting out there and doing it, man. And look, and there's a few different things to talk about here, but the first thing I want to talk about is exactly what you just brought up in the fact that, you know, I, I wrote some stories for, for NHRA.com recently, and one of the ones I did, I went back and looked at the top fuel season and, and looked at the cars that were, you know, in that top 10 block and, the car you were in at the end of the season was a whole different animal than the car you were in at the beginning of the season. And I think that's got to be something that um, the whole team has to hang their hat on, right? You come into 24 in a much, much better place than you began 23 in. Yeah, for sure. And you got to re- remember that we're, we pulled through Chiefs from a funny car. Yep. And and yes, he worked on my dragster before for a year, but he was funny car. And, and when we did it, we finished number two in the points. But – we had an active car. Yes. You know, he stepped into shoes that the car was running. This was, uh, and, and I got my butt chewed in the middle of the year by my pops 
because I said we had we had horseshit parts last year, and and that didn't mean <laughs> Don right. Schumacher made bad parts. I mean, we started with stuff that when Leah left, yeah, and 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 all the other teams left. I mean, Antron all at the same time when they all left, they bought everything. Yeah, I yeah. got what was left, and I mean, they had to go in the rafters <laughs> and pull stuff down. You know, right. I think Garley spilled some of the stuff. You know, it was like this was old stuff, man. You yeah. know, like. So my dad was like, I can't believe you said I go, well, hang on, man. Pause and read the whole article, not the first stupid yeah. blimp that comes up. You know, clickbait makes me crazy. You want, oh, yeah. you want the facts. Read the story. Yep. You know, it's like I, now we have good parts. We have the right people, and, and everything's active. And we'll, we'll go out and we'll do good. And, and now, heck, who knows what's going to happen? They cut the front end off every car. We're going to start with a stiffer chassis. Yeah, you know, it could fall right into our hands. It could fall right out of our hands. I mean, who? We don't know until we hit the gas and we go out there and do it. And we're looking forward to it. I really can't stand sitting around for a couple months. And you know, obviously, every driver we go to the gym, we all do the same darn thing. We stay in shape, we practice. But until you hit the gas, you know, yeah. you get out there and you prove that all your theories work. You know, it's just another too long of a break. You know, we talk about commitment in this sport, and, and your dad was a great example of commitment, how committed he was to his teams and the business. And, and you know, Joe Maynard, to me, at least in the last, let's call it three, four weeks, has 100% shown me the commitment that he has to this sport. Uh, obviously, there was a change made that none of us really saw coming. I, I would suspect you were first on the list of that. And it was there was no question about what was going to happen this year. Your car is going to be on the racetrack. Your car is going to be racing. The announcement just the other day of the purchase of the hospitality assets. This is the these are the moves made by a guy who is not here for the short term. This is a guy who's making a commitment to doing things the right way. And I know, I know, whatever happened over the last couple of weeks had to have been a shock to you as it was to a lot of us. But also, I have to understand that you got to look at this owner and think, okay, like this guy's this guy's got his boots on and he's going to work too. Well, I think, you know, loyalty is a big thing for me, man. Integrity, big words, but important parts of drag racing community. And I'll tell you, I wouldn't leave, you know, Joe Maynard. doesn't matter where the sponsor goes and, and what their ideas are and their thoughts. That man has, has put his faith in me. Yeah. Uh, and and I love working with those guys, you know. And, and to be honest, the people that were around us didn't have the same kind of thoughts and integrity. And, and I'd rather be with a group of people who are, true to the sport good for the sport um and and honest and i'll stay with them all day long man because it ain't about what's on the side of the car it's about racing it's about family and it's about good people because it is a sacrifice look we're out there 250 days a year we miss everything about life other than racing yeah we miss it all you know like i come back and, and we we see our friends, and they're like, oh, my God, you know what we did this weekend? And we're like, we have no idea what you did this weekend. We were out, we were out on fire again. You know, like, we're, we're doing what we do. And, you know, it's, it's, it's true, and it sounds funny when you say it out loud, but I did this for 30 years. I miss mostly everything about normal life. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll be damned if I'm going to do it with people I don't get along with. I'm going to do it with the right people, a great group of people. What my dad did over 30 years was build the most incredible team ever built like John Force. I'm not going to say there's no one else out there, but he did a hell of a job building teams, building drivers, allowing drivers to go off on their own team, allowing people to do stuff. Yeah. And he, he understood everything about it. I think Joe had a chance, not a long chance, but somewhat of a chance to learn from one of the best in the world. 
if, oh. if you know, like no doubt got the focus on how to do it as a sponsor first, roll into the team ownership deal. And, uh, you know, according to, to some of the other people out there, they just know how to do it better. And it's for me, it's like, go do it better. If you think you can do it better than an eight time champ, yeah, and you can do, and you can do it better than than a team that's been doing it. Up. You can run a better hospitality. Have a blast. Don't dishonor me. Yeah. Don't disrespect me. Go off and do what you want to do. I will never force someone to be around something as good as what we offer. If you don't like it, peace out. Bye, Felicia. That's the way I say <laughs> right, it. Right. You know, one of the big moments of this season came in the first race of the countdown, and and it was a whole shot victory. You managed uh, you managed yourself off the starting line ahead of Justin Ashley, and you know we have we always talk to teams that it's like, well, if I can't win the championship, I'll be damned if I'm going to make it easy on anybody else. Was that was that one of the moments you put in your back pocket for this 2023 season that we've concluded now, and and look back and think, you know what, that was a moment where I was 100% locked in, did my job the right way, and and ultimately you did have an effect on how the the, the rest of the season turned out for those guys. Well, you know, I'm going to start by saying that Mike Green and Justin Ashley are incredible people. Yeah. Um, them having that, my, my old deal, it was not their fault. I hold them at a high standard. I think they're a great team. Uh, they weren't part of the scavenger team that was out trying to suck the life out of my old sponsor, you know, yeah. and there were tons of scavengers. I now know who are good people and, and who are not. But those are good people. Tim Wilkerson, good dude. Them guys didn't do nothing wrong. What happened, happened. Let it go. We're going to go out next year. We'll have a bitchin' whiskey car. We'll go out and do what we do. But beating him was because we had to. That dude makes you step in the seat. Yeah. That dude's driving makes you a better driver. You know, I've had years and years where we did what he's doing, where we force people to do things like that, and we'll get back to that world. You know, I was out for three years. It takes a little time to rebuild. It takes a little time to get all your all the things you did to make that machine a machine back in your body, and sure. back in your memory, and back in your normal resources that you can pull from every run. But yeah, I knew I knew when we hit the gas on that run that okay, this car's beatable. I look back, you know, I have teams I can't beat, <laughs> and it's, it's, there's, there's, in, in the history going back to the beginning. If you are running your first race ever. Oh, yeah. You. You're the guy. Yeah. I'm the guy. Run me. You want to win? Run me. I'll just park the car and go out and clear for you because I'm freaking not going to win. Torrance does very well against me. I can be, I can have 500s on the start line and my car is going to shut off for whatever reason. Justin Ashley, on the other hand, for whatever the reason, I think he's beat me once. When we run, when we won in Seattle, went through Justin. When we went, yeah. when we went to the finals in, in Brainerd, even though the car wouldn't start, we got penalized and find we still beat him like our car beats that car and you can't ask for a better opportunity to beat that car because you know after all that's happened my target even though it's winning the championship is going to be to destroy that team of course <laughs> and, look, and, 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 and it's that... nothing personal i love justin and i love mike green i've talked to both of them and said hold nothing against you you know it's just my job now has become more fun well yeah and you know, you know your team. You know, having worked with the army for so many years, is a you know, it's more of an air force thing. What they call it, like target fixation, right? And and yeah. guys get you know get locked in on one thing. But uh, having extra motive motivation is n- never a problem, and it's never a bad thing. And and not necessarily that you needed it, but it seems like now you got it. Oh, it's gonna be fun. I'm just looking forward to getting out there and doing it. You yeah. know, and and, take, and and smoking the orange car. And I will never use the correct color. It's an orange car. It's an apricot car. 
It's mauve, it's peach, but it's never the color they call it because they are so fixated on that. I'm just going to destroy the orange machine, you know? Well, one of the other things that, you know, the, a lot of elements in top fuel this year, which are, are cool, you know, obviously the Sean Reed car coming in. I talked to Rob Wenland at the beginning of this show. Um, I think it's great to have these additions to the category. And a, and a big one on a personal front, of course, is Tony Stewart. And, you know, we talk about this idea of of being a champion like you are more than a half dozen times. And, and he's obviously racked up his fair share of championships around other realms of motorsports. There's going to be a little part of Tony Schumacher that's kind of excited to line up against Tony Stewart. I, absolutely, 100%. And, you know, every time I line up against a Gary Selzer, now look yeah. at a Coletta, you know? The yeah. champs are the champs, man. And, and yes, he's not a champion per se in top fuel, but he will be. The guy can drive a race car, and he's bad to the bone. And you know what I like about him? If he was doing this interview, he'd be blasting everybody. Right. I love that. Right. I love that. <laughs> I, I have spent 19 years with the Army being taught to tone down, smile, and have some quan. Right. Tony Stewart just gets up there and says what he thinks, <laughs> and I love that. And I think that the sport absolutely needs it because, yeah. you know, people really want to know what really happened. Well, it's just awful. I don't know. And yeah. guys just left. And I, no, but, you know, there's truth to it. But you got to be a somewhat, you know, and, and he's just – not he's just like here's what happened and here's what i'm gonna do see i got i'm gonna go pop him in the mouth because he spoke <laughs> right. I love that. you know now i don't think he wants to come over and slap me around we're gonna wrestle a couple of t's on the ground but you know he, he's a good dude i've watched him do miraculous things in mostly every sport in the world and i expect we're gonna see some in top fuel you know doug coletta you mentioned uh, his championship which was um you know i thought it was such a cool moment how many people were genuinely happy for this guy? And and it's such a rare thing when somebody wins at this level for almost everybody in the world to, to congratulate them. But that's kind of how it went for went for Doug. And to be able to have Connie there, I mean, it was a moment. And I think you even said it at one of the top end interviews. You said, you know what? I, I just want to see the guy go out there and win the whole thing. And he ended up doing it. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> the hard part for me throughout all those years is with the run, you heard – you know, he stole it from him. I didn't steal it from him. We earned it. Yeah. But, you know, they go, well, he's deserving of a championship. Well, I, okay, you're deserving when they give you the trophy. You know? <laughs> right. And, and I, That's a great point. Crazy. I mean, I, I'm yeah. deserving of the trophy last year. We didn't win a race. But I'm just, I feel like I really would like it. You know, right. it would look awesome with the other ones. But <laughs> right. the truth is, no. You know, so to watch him finally do it and to do it in kick-ass form. Yeah. You know, he didn't go out there and, I mean, he had to win the last race against the person that if he lost, he became the champ. You And I've had that moment. That is the gift. At the beginning when we talked about gifts of racing and recognizing it, you got to recognize that. He did it. He did a hell of a job driving the car and he earned himself a championship. And then we can all call him champs finally. I love it. Yeah, and listen, you're one of the you're one of the only people on the planet that actually understands what that moment is. I mean, you're really there's there's what you and you and basically him now. When we talk about anybody that's that's still active in Top Fuel or even that's still you know wanting to talk about it anymore, um, you you guys are it that understand that that pinpoint end of the season moment to actually lock it up. Yeah, and you know the funny part about it is that's the moment that dictates it, but it takes all the rounds before that that lead up to it to make that moment. And I think the run, when we talk about it, and we talk about it probably all too much, but no matter what, which season, the hot rod season, the year after, the season where Antron beat me because I got beat on a whole shot by Bernstein in the past. All those moments, you know, Antron didn't win the championship because I lost that round. He won the championship because he did a hell of a job all year long, 
he just had a fire that round. So it leads up to it, but but there's a reason for that. It makes that moment so amazing. And if you don't recognize it and you can't sit up at that time, you know, and, and do your job. And he did exactly, you know, God forbid he goes out there and has a 120 light that round. Of <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, right. The whole world would have been like, no. Oh, no, yeah. Look. Even Leah would have got out crying. You know, like everybody's <laughs> right. pulling for him, you know, and yeah. she did a great job. It was a hell of a race, man. Yeah. Everything about it was good. No, you know, it was spectacular. Yeah. It really was. It, it encapsulates really what, what we always want to see, whether it's uh, a Sunday afternoon at the third race of the year or the, the final the final Sunday afternoon at the final race of the year. And that leads me to my next question, which is, when we look at the car count in Top Fuel this year, going to be close to 16 full-time cars, and then we add in the part-timers, um, we're going to have bump spots, knock on wood, at every single race with probably a couple of cars to spare. You know, we hear a lot of t- people say, oh, well, it doesn't matter until you get in the countdown. And... I think that's bullshit because, especially a year like this, I think it's bullshit because unless you are absolutely competitive before that thing starts with the amount of cars we're going to have, you're out to lunch, right? Yeah, for sure. You're going to have to start out. We have got to start out three levels higher than we were for sure. Yeah. We, we don't, we, I don't intend on finishing ninth. Although nine is a cool number. I'm glad it's me on the side of the car. I, the world's got something special about the number nine. At the end of the year, I don't want that number right. one back. Right. You know, really, really bad. We can give the orange car number nine. Right. I don't care about that. Couldn't <laughs> right. care less. Bye-bye. But, but you know, we're going to have to be come out, both feet hit the ground running and, uh, and perform because I'll be damned if last year possibly wasn't the best year of racing, close racing I've ever seen. I was qualifying 12th with a good car. Yeah. 12th. Yeah. 11 cars were running faster than me. A lot of the time. That is absolutely insane. We've never had that before. And I look back and people go, oh, well, you know, back in, you know, the 60s, there were 400 cars, right? Well, whatever. Okay. Different cars. You were ahead by a second. Right. Right. Now we're ahead by a thousandth of a second, two thousandths. Tied sometimes in mile per hour is going to dictate where you're qualified. I challenge you, there's never been nothing like this before. The drivers are doing a better job. The crews have found their teams and I think that's important. You know, when silly season happens, this guy bouncing here, guy bouncing there. I think the teams have been collectively assembled, and they're better than we've ever seen as a whole. The fans are going to get a better show. I do not think Funny Cars is good. No, it, it right now it isn't. Think I think there's five cars in Funny Car, and that's it. Yeah, and that's and accurate. I hate to say that, but. It's the way it is. No, it is. It's accurate. Um, you know, I, I you look at, and again, we're speaking the truth here. You're not saying anything out of school. Like, we look past that, let's call it five or the number five car, the number six car. I'm not seeing cars that I'm going to expect to roll out of the, the shop over the wintertime, and all of a sudden, that car is a contender. There are cars that I do think can do that in top fuel, yours being one of them. And, yep. you know, you mentioned one thing earlier, and I want to touch back on it now because you just referenced it, but the idea that this team stayed intact is hugely important, right? I think it's absolutely important. I think two things happen, even with a, a major sponsor leaving, because we've had this before, it, you know, going, going somewhere else for whatever reasons. I don't even want to talk about that stuff. The guys said, you're the driver. Joe Manor is the team that we want to be with. Yeah. And that is incredibly important to me because deep down it hits at the, you know, the heart of our sport. You have collectively found a group of people you feel you can win with in the end. Yeah. You know, or else they could have gone anywhere. They're all great guys, top-notch guys. Each guy could have gotten picked for a team. Not one of them is moving. 
because they understand that we've worked too hard to get to where we're at and that I can drive a car and that Joe Maynard will provide what we need for the parts and pieces to go out and win a championship. So it's a great, great deal. And I look forward to getting our second year. Me and Zip, man, we had a hell of a thing going a few years back. You know, and when the Army deal ended and we didn't get to finish it, we were both under the same impression that we will get back together again. And when this whole thing came together, we had a few crew chiefs to pick from. And it was like, Zip, you ready to do it? And he said, I am. So, um, you know, I thought, and I know he thought, we would start out winning the first race, probably win the next nine and be the champ. Sure. But, you know, a lot of new parts and pieces. Now, I, I say this. It wasn't like, let's, let's just say, uh, our, our ex-sponsor buying a team. They bought a team of running parts. Right. No, that's a totally different deal. It's a hundred percent, hundred percent. It's a. You mentioned Leah. It's the same thing. It was. It was the Leah team versus Matt's team. Right. Matt's team, yeah. fully intact, all the parts and pieces, turnkey, ready to go. The Leah side yeah. of that operation was the exact opposite, like you're talking about. Brand new parts, brand new pieces. So all the timers and all the fuel systems hadn't had fuel going through it, hadn't had air going through it, or pressure. None of the timers had been set. Like it took us a long time to go. What are we missing here? Like. Yeah. It just, you know, it ain't like you get to go out and run 500 miles yeah. and tune it and tune it and you have computers reading it going, you're missing air here. You got, you know, it, it is a one run at a time, brutally painstaking, you know, difficult sport. Yeah. And, and it's that hard when you have good parts. So when you got to start with something that's all brand new, it was this rough, man, but we're getting there. We're getting there. We're, it's, we're reading it's... out the old parts. Yeah, it's like the micro level and the macro level. The micro level is you look at a race weekend and you miss, you know, you screw up the first qualifying session, it puts you behind for the next couple, whether it's a three session race or a four session race. And then you kind of take that idea and extend it on to the size of a whole season where, you know, when you guys are starting out last year versus a team that's been intact for five years coming out with their established tune up, that's that's the same deal. You're trying to make that up in real time. They're advancing their stuff. You're trying to get your stuff settled and it's just as a, a difficult thing. But as we saw, you guys battled through it and by the end of the season, uh, that thing was that thing was hauling pretty good ass uh, and and was a thorn in the side of, of other cars. One of the last topics I want to bring up is the fact that uh, Ida Zetterstrom will be joining your team, JCM Racing Team, this year. Um, she's going to be an understudy to you, and, and you're going to be an educator to her. Are you looking forward to that role? Yeah, you know, it's not like it's my first day on the planet at drag race, and I've had seven. Like, how many drivers have come through GSR? Yeah, and, and some of them were were new, you know, so. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like it, at the end of the day, I've even drivers that aren't on my team, if I can help someone out, make the sport a little better, make the, make the competition a little higher, I'm, I'm going to teach the best I can. Um, you know, and, and me teaching or helping, helping someone, uh, learn how to drive a race car is fine. I'm sure she's going to be a, a well-learned and well-versed in top fuel person, um, and we'll just have to, as teammates are strange, man, you got to be able to drive the cars the same, you know, you got to be able Makes to sense. load the brakes the same. You got to be able to stage the car the same. And, and we've had a million different drivers come through. We've never run exactly the same. It's never the same injector, the same blower. So this will be unique where the car should be identical and, and uh, we'll see what happens, man. We got to get one running. We got to get one to go out there and win a race first. So I can tell you that. That's a fact. That's an absolute fact. Well, man, it's always great to catch up with you. I'm excited uh, for what's in store for 2024 for for your team and really for the entire Top Fuel class. And uh, 
Gainesville is uh, Gainesville is going to be awesome. Gainesville is always awesome. You know, the place is always jamming and the energy is always good. But I, I think we're going to have at least twenty top fuel cars there, maybe up upwards of twenty two to twenty three. So it's going to be it's going to be like as you mentioned, it's going to be like the old guys talk about. Oh, we had thirty cars showing up. Well, we're going to have probably two dozen of them that can all run within a couple of tenths at 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 maximum spread. It's going to be nuts. Let's go. Tony Schumacher, he'll be back. The JCM Racing Team, Leatherwood Distillery is going to be on the side, and they continue to evolve their program. Tony, thanks so much, man, and I will catch up with you soon. All right. Peace out. When we come back, some final thoughts here in this episode of the NHRA Insider. Don't go anywhere. And we're back here for some final thoughts in this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. Great to catch up with Rob Wendland. Great to catch up with Tony Schumacher. A couple of guys that are fired up for 2024 and maybe for different reasons. Being able to talk to Rob about the work that's going into establishing the Sean Reed Racing Top Fuel Operation is huge. Talking about how he has kind of delineated the labor and the tasks and the work to get that team up and running. The expectations he maintains. Make sure your toolboxes are aligned. Um it's cool. I, I love getting in the minds of crew chiefs. I love understanding how they view things, what makes them tick, and what things are specifically important to them. Their partnership with Antron Brown and the Matco team will be absolutely fundamental, in my opinion, to a quick start for them. And for Tony Schumacher, obviously spitting some fire there, as you'd expect. I mean, that was um, that was a pretty seismic announcement that was made when the Skag factory team was announced. And uh, you can hear his voice um, – well, you can hear in his voice that he is not exactly uh, as fired up about it as some other people may be, but I think what this all leads to is another layer of interest in top fuel drag racing that is not going away anytime soon. Uh, it is going to provide motivation, I think, for everybody involved. And for Tony, he is 100% going to be bringing that fastball along with John Schaefer, uh, along with Mike Neff, and his entire intact team being led, of course, by Joe Maynard of JCM Racing. That's it for this episode of The Insider. I think this one was insightful, and there was a couple of hot nuggets in there that, um, well, may make a couple of waves. I'm Brian Loans, and as always, thanks for listening to The Insider. We'll be back next week with more guests, maybe some more breaking news, and definitely some more rumors, because that's what we do in the wintertime. The ice is frozen over in Indianapolis, but the season is always starting to warm up at this time of the year as we move ever closer to Gainesville. Get your tickets today for whatever races you want to attend at NHRA.com. Most every race of the season is on sale right now. You can get your early races and mid-season races handled. We're going back to Route 66 Raceway. You don't want to miss that. And, of course, the Gator Nationals, a sellout last year. Got to be sold out again this year. Make sure you get your tickets today. We'll see you next week here on the NHRA Insider Podcast.